Praise God. Aren't you glad you're saved, not headed to hell tonight? Praise God. Aren't you glad you're not in prison? Praise God. Woo! Well, praise God, I, I got a word. I, I, you know, I didn't know what Timothy was going to sing tonight. And praise God, he was flowing right in the Holy Ghost because he's singing what I'm preaching. So uh, get your Bibles out. <clears throat> Go to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. I want to share something with you tonight. And this, this message kind of goes along with what I was preaching on Sunday. But it's also, uh, you know, when, when I'm preaching... Because I'm not going to want to just preach, you know, just something I just came up with. I want to preach something that came off of the hot off the press from heaven. And, uh, you know, a message can be a teaching message. It can be just an encouraging message and also can be a prophetic message. And I really believe this message to you tonight has a prophetic element to it because it is talking about the future. But um, I, I just believe the Lord wants me to share this tonight to firm up your hearts. And what's going on? You know, we live in a crazy time right now. But, you know, every time, you know, the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, then the devil lifts up a standard in the midst of it. Right. So listen to me. The devil's not winning right now. Folks, I don't care what it looks like. I do not care what's going on. I, I tell you, the devil is not winning right now. I'm telling you, God knows what's going on. His hand is upon everything. He's got a purpose for everything. God is going to be exalted. But nowadays are a day. And I'm going to show you in this in just a minute for, for a great revival within your own heart, and your own soul, and your own house, and your own household. All right. Today's the day to get prayers answered. Today's the day that when the enemy's coming in, you know, and, and, and you're worshiping God, that today is the day that you can see your prayers answered almost instantly. Okay. But we've got to be people that are praying. We've got to be people that are looking for what God's doing. We've got to be people that are sharp and staying on track on what's going on. And it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to look at crazy things and get discouraged and think, oh, woe is me. All right. But there ain't no woe is me in this time. This time, you know, bless God, we're just going to, man, we're going to see God move. Amen. And so a couple of things coming up that I just want to uh, bring your attention to this, this weekend is... Uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is coming up. It's actually Monday. And so, you know, this Sunday is a special Sunday service because every year, you know, in, in, in ancient Israel, you know, the high priest went into the, to the uh, Holy of Holies to offer the, the atoning blood upon the mercy seat. And he went in there. And there's a lot of things, you know, that, 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 that to this that I don't want to get into preaching that I just want to just bring this to your attention. And he did it to walk in to offer the blood for the sins of Israel, for the atoning sins of Israel. He poured the blood out on top of the mercy seat. You know, the mercy seat was a, basically a, a golden box. It was about three by three by four and had this crown around the top of it, these two holy angels. And, and the blood was poured out and the high priest went in. And then when he poured the blood out over it, well, then, you know, underneath the mercy seat was the Ten Commandments, Aaron's rod that budded in a pot of golden manna. And we're all representing the things and the failures of mankind. Okay? But he poured the blood out on top. And I want to tell you something. The blood of Jesus, I just, I'm, I'm believing for some exciting things this Sunday. I'm just believing for exciting things from now on. I believe these are the, the days that we should be excited to live in. Amen? And so Peter here, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, uh, you know, <clears throat> Peter... You know, dates aren't known exactly, but it, it's it's kind of 
historians and they all kind of figure that Peter was, was martyred in around 68 AD. So obviously this was written before. So somewhere between 65 to 68 AD, you know, somewhere around this time period, he wrote this to the church. All right. So I want to read it today, and I just want you to show you how fitting it is today and what he told the church then, which is what we should be doing now. So starting in verse 1, we're going to go through this whole chapter here, so y'all just bear with me. I'm not going to read it all at once, but anyway, here we go. It says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of a reminder. Okay, so he's already told them this once, if he's going to remind them of it again that you may be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens of old were of old and the earth standing out of the water in the water and by which the worlds that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are revealed for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Isn't that funny that Peter's talking about that he's telling the church then in 68, uh, uh, give me 65, 68 A.D., He's telling the church that people are going to come around and they're going to start to scoff. Okay, now it's only been 30 plus years since Jesus was resurrected. 30 years. And already people are coming in to try to stop the gospel. Because you see, the thing that the devil fears the most is the gospel. The, the devil fears the most is the word of God being preached, Christians preaching the gospel, the word of God going out in any form and fashion, however it is. Now, We've got the internet today, and the, and the Word of God is going around more than ever before, all right? But it needs to be good word. It needs to be truth, amen, because there's a lot of false word going out. But the Word of God is going out. It's going out into all nations. It's going out into all people. The Word of God is what scares the devil. That's why, that's why in all of this pandemic and all the things going on, listen to me. I told you this Sunday, and I'll tell you, say it again. They are not trying to shut the churches down because of COVID. They're trying to shut the churches down because they want the churches shut down. They do not want the churches preaching. The enemy does not want the church to preach. No other gathering. You can go to the mall. You can go, you can go do anything else in the world you want to, but don't go to church and whatever you do, don't sing. Whoo, man, that activates the COVID virus, you know? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what goes on because the devil wants to shut the church down. Hello? It's amazing to me, I haven't seen any, I, I'm getting over into meddling, I'll just quit, but <clears throat> I hadn't seen any news deals about them trying to shut moss down. I hadn't seen the police saying they're going to charge them $5,000 a day if they keep those things open. I don't know, whatever. It doesn't make me any difference, because see, I know that no matter what, it's just like the children of Israel. The Bible says the more that Pharaoh persecuted them, the more they populated. Hello? And the more the gospel, there's something about it, the more the gospel gets pressed and, and, and Christians get pressed, the more it expands. So we're in a day of expansion right now. I mean, it's like, go ahead and persecute us, buddy. That's a dump. That's the wrong thing to do. I can't believe in over thousands of years you hadn't learned that. Right? 
Leave us all alone. We usually just get fat and lazy and apathetic and just kill ourselves. But man, you start persecuting us and bless God, everybody becomes a flaming evangelist. <laughs> Hello? And so anyway, that's what's going on right now. So Peter here says it in, in, you know, in, in 68 AD or before that. Let's just call it 65, okay? Y'all just give it to me, 65. It was 66 or 67 or early 68. I'm going to call it 65 from now on, okay? So 65, 80, he's preaching this, saying people are going to come around. They're going to tell you, where's the promise? He's, you know, oh, this has happened. Nothing's going on. The, the, the gospel doesn't work. And look on. He said, but beloved, do not forget this one thing. Now, Peter tells us three things here in 2 Peter 3. He tells us three things that we need to be mindful of in this time. <clears throat> he says, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the, with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now, the Lord's not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, as I preach that message on Sunday, you know, I preach that message out of love. I do not want to see people going to hell. I don't want to see people going on the, the broad way of destruction and, and ending up in, 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 in hell and missing God and, and, and eternally separated from his presence. And he says, so is the Lord. He's not slack concerning his promise. He's not. I mean, all of us Christians are oh, come on, Jesus, time's hard. Come on, get us out of here. We don't want to be living here anymore. But the truth is the matter is there's people going to go to hell. So we got to preach. We do have to become those flaming evangelists that, 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 are, that are sharing the gospel. Everybody said, man, are you right with God? Today's the day that I believe that like none we've ever seen before, that you could probably just confront your friend or, or you know, your loved one or whoever it is that you don't maybe think is not right with God and just look at them and say, are you right with God? And I believe something's going to happen, right? It's not like, well, you know, I think I'll wait till tomorrow. I think everybody's on edge. Right. So Peter says, wait a minute, the first thing you guys have got to remember, the first thing you got to keep in your heart. And remember is, is that God's not slack concerning his promises. Listen to me. Do not let the get that that let the devil feed you that line that God's not moving and God's not doing anything. I'm excited to hear the results of what's going to go on, because this Saturday is, uh, you know, a big prayer march. Uh, uh, Franklin Graham's doing a prayer march in, in, in Washington, and, and we all need to be praying on Saturday with them all, no matter if, you know where we are, and be praying because I, I know prayer's going to change things, right? And uh, I don't know how it's all going to play out. I just know God's going to win. Hello? I mean, I can't sit here today and say, okay, you know, next week this, this, and this, and this is going to happen. I don't have that kind of revelation, but I just know God's going to win. I just know that as long as we, uh, you know, realize that God's got his timing and everything, and he knows the right time, right? We think we know the right time, but God's the one that knows the right time. And so Peter says, keep this in mind. First thing, keep this in mind. God is not slack concerning his promises. All right. As some consider being slack is what he says. The second thing here you see in verse 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the, and the works that are in them will be burned up. Now, I've always looked at this and, and I've always thought. <clears throat> and, and, you know, I'm just saying this is just Robert's thoughts. You know, like if I would have been 
a pastor in, in 1942 or 41, and looking at all the things that are going, were, were going on with World War II and all the, 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 the you know, I mean, we're talking about millions of people losing their lives and families and, and uh, you know, being destroyed and, and all this horrible, horrible stuff that was going on. I would have probably been preaching, I think it's the end of the world, you know, like, like Hitler is the Antichrist, and you could, have got a, you could have got some good sermons out of that, right? And then the next thing you know, it's 1960, and, you know, everything's just plugging along, and nothing happened, right? So I've always thought this was interesting, that it says that, that the Lord will come back as a thief in the night. And I've questioned him about this many, many times, because if he comes back as a thief in the night, well, then you don't usually know that a thief's coming. Right now, like around here, I don't know what happens to city people because there's cars going along all the time. But around here, if you're at home at night and you hear a truck. Right. You, you, you're a, a tent. Well, who's that? Was there somebody's coming out there, you know, because you heard one pickup, one truck, loud truck, something like this. You know, you're like, what's going on? And then, you know, two or three, I mean, man, that's an ordeal. Right? And it's funny because where I live, just you just go over the hill and you lose cell phone reception. So a lot of people stop short of the hill to finish their phone calls or whatever. So they stop and we're all like, what's out there? You know. And then they get their, you know, through the phone call and drive on up the road. But we're always like, our ears are attentive. You can do anything. Shut the, shut the TV off like Somebody's outside. So if you thought a thief was coming, right, you, you're attentive. But he says he's going to come like a thief in the night. You don't really know they're there. So a lot of times I've thought, okay, well, wait a minute, Lord. Are you saying that would it mean that it's good times? Now, hear me out on this. <clears throat> it's, you know, so everything would be good and you wouldn't be expecting the Lord to come back? You remember when, when Noah built the ark, they... Uh, it says that they were loading the ark, or God was loading the ark. The animals are going on the ark. Everything's taking place. Everybody's getting in the ark. I mean, a pretty big deal, you know, animals two by two going there, birds flying all over the place, and tigers and lions and whatever else going in there, you know. And, and uh, all the people are just standing around watching. And it says that they were marrying and partying and going on with life, just like there was nothing, even though there was this huge boat out there that no one had ever even seen. It never even rained, right? And there's this, I mean, the ark is huge, and it's full of animals, and everybody's just like, eh, just this crazy guy lives out there, you know. I don't know how it's working, but he's got all these animals in there. You would think that you would kind of stop and say, hmm, something's up. Right? But you see, that's what deception does. Deception does is it takes you to a place where you don't see that there's anything wrong. And what I really see right now is I see a lot of deceived people. There are people doing things that are morally not on a compass anywhere, should not be on anybody's moral compass. You follow what I'm saying? And they don't think that it's wrong. They don't see it as wrong. That deception is so great, they think everything's going good. 
There are literally governors standing up saying, yes, what y'all are doing, that's a good thing. Everybody's just out peacefully protesting. Yes, it's good. That's what we do in America. We voice it. And then you go look at the destruction and the burning and the looting and the killing and the, uh, the, 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 the things that are going on. And you're like, what are you seeing? What are you seeing out of your eyes? That is, there's no way you can call that good. Okay, so then <clears throat> they think everything's great. So that's the, that's the delusion upon the world, coming upon the world right now. That everybody says, oh, everything's okay. And then what? Boom. Peter says, but the day of the Lord's going to come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away, the great noise, the elements will melt with fervent heat, both upon earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness looking for and hastening to the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Okay, so the second thing he tells us to do is that we need to be Christians that are in holy conduct and godliness. In other words, we need to be keeping our, ourselves going right, but looking for Jesus to come back. We're not the 10, we're of the 10 virgins. We're the ones that's got oil on our lamps looking. Are you with me? We're the ones right now that are looking. So as Christians, yes, we become, you know, uh, apprehensive even of Jesus may be coming. This may be the time. This may be the, the time. He says he wants us in that state. Now, to the, everybody else, they're hoodwinked. They think everything's great. But we're, he said, he wants us expecting. <clears throat> it's like I've told you all this story many times, but it's just a good one. That we were getting ready to land. I'd been somewhere on a trip somewhere, and I was coming in on the, air, uh, on the airplane. We were coming about to land in San Antonio, and, and there was nobody in the middle seat, and there was a lady by the window, and I was on the aisle, and the plane's coming down, it's coming down, it's coming down, it's coming down. And, you know, we're just, it's getting, you know, how you, you know how when you land in San Antonio, you're looking down there and say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that Mexican food restaurant we usually eat at over there, you know. And then all of a sudden we're coming down here like this, and all of a sudden, man, I mean, he shot the coals of that puppy, and I mean, he pulled it up big time, and everybody flew back in their seats, and this lady just screams and reaches across and grabs my arm and just sinks her claws into me, you know, screaming, ah! And I just sat there. I didn't enjoy it, but I mean, I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't know what to do. I just, I just sat there. I wasn't screaming. And so the lady looked at me. She said, how can you be so calm? And I said, ma'am, I'm not dying like this. I, I, I can tell you, I know. I know Jesus, and I'm not dying like this. I am not dying on the tarmac in San Antonio. <laughs> God's got more for me than this. And sure enough, a plane hadn't gotten completely off the tarmac and its tail was hanging out and they had to, you know, go up because he wasn't off the tarmac yet. He couldn't move forward because somebody else was blocking him. And we had to do this big, you know, run around, fly around like that. But the lady was panicked. She thought she was going to die. And, you know, we need to be the people that are just looking at everything as like, man, Jesus, no matter what's happened to man, I mean, I'm headed to heaven or you're coming back. And so... What do you have to worry about? So Peter says that's the second thing we need to have on our mind. We need to keep ourselves in a godly fashion and be careful not to get over into ungodly fashion. Now, it's easy to get in ungodly fashion today. <clears throat> Hello? 
We want to just rant and rave and point the finger and jump up and down and scream and holler and, you know, act just like they do. But God says, don't do that. Just stay in godliness. Just stay in faith. Just stay, you know, true. I'll get down to that in a second. Okay, third thing that he says. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So he said, the third thing you're going to look at is not only are you looking for Jesus to come back, but you're looking for us to get out of here and finally be in a place of righteousness. I don't know about y'all, but one of the things that just needles me so much is unrighteousness. Like when I see a judge do something or, a, you know, something takes place or some law or something that's going on that's so unrighteous and, and, and it just, it just boils me. I can't wait to live in the kingdom of God. I can't wait to live where everything is righteous and God's doing everything and it's all going according to plan. It's, it's what it's supposed to be. It is the truth. It is the right thing. Wow. So Peter says these three things. God's not slacking his promises. Jesus is coming back and we are going to go to heaven. He says, keep watching these three things and look what he says. I'm in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, what things? Those three things that is told you. Be diligent to be found in him in peace. Found in him in peace. See, folks, as Christians, we're not supposed to be out of sorts right now. And if you get out of peace, then you know what happens? You're out of the plan of God and you're not in faith. So therefore, you're not going to see the promises of God working in your life and coming into your life and flowing into you. So what we have to do is we have to keep ourselves. Every day we need to be diligent to keep ourselves in the promises, in the word of God, that he's a faithful God, that his promises are yes and amen to those that believe. No matter what you see, no matter what it looks like, no matter what you feel like, okay? Be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. Now, there's no way you're going to be without spot and blameless unless you're keeping yourself under the blood of Jesus. Day of Atonement's coming up. What was that all about? It was about to atone for the sins of Israel so that the blood covered, all right, their sin. But what's going on in our lives is repentance takes us to the place where it's not just the blood covered because y'all all know if you got a car and had a dent, and you were going to buy it, and you went over there, and you started looking at that. There might just be some Bondo underneath there, and somebody painted over it. And if you scratched over there, you're going to find out that that's not real factory paint, that that's Bondo, and that's, you know, got a primer on. It's not right. That's not what God does. He doesn't just cover your sin so that there's still a, a, a place in there that's not right, a spot. No, he, he removes it. He washes you, cleanses you, and takes it away. So that it is no more. So that what Jude 1 says that he can present you faultless and blameless. Faultless and blameless before the presence of Almighty God. I mean, come on, folks. Jesus is going to present you faultless and blameless before the presence of Almighty God. I was driving down the road the other day and I was just thinking about that Ephesians 3.20 says that God can, you know, do exceeding, exceedingly abundantly more than you can even think or ask, right, when you're praying. And I was thinking, what does that really mean? Because there's certain scriptures that even I have to admit that <clears throat> I'm not all, it's not that I don't believe them, but I mean, they're overwhelming to me. Like the fact that I'm a joint heir with Christ Jesus. 
I mean, I'm thinking, man, okay, Lord, you let me in the kingdom, you know, and I got inside by the blood, but to make me a joint heir, I don't even understand what that means, but that has got to be way more than I deserve. Are y'all following? This is, this is the thinking that goes on in me sometimes when I'm sitting there. I'm seated with Christ. I'm like, <laughs> just put me in the back of the auditorium, Lord. I mean, I mean, I'm just happy I got in the door. Right? And so I was just driving down the road. I thought, how, how, how do I grasp this, Lord? And I was actually driving out 1050 out to the Bear Creek country, and I was looking at all the mountains, and everything was pretty, and the, you know, that, that, that norther kind of blew and cleared up the air, and everything looked crisp, and it looked good, and I was just driving along there looking at everything. And I thought, you know, Lord, it would be kind of like if I had saved all of my money to buy an acre. No, excuse me. I'd saved all my money to buy a lot in town. And then you said, no, I have something better for you. And you gave me a thousand acres. That would be exceedingly abundant beyond I was even thinking or asking, right? And the Holy Spirit stopped me right then when I said that. And he said, oh, it's more than that. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you just blew my mind again, Lord. I can't hardly grasp this. I mean, I, I, was, I thought I had grasp of something. I thought I had gotten hold of a little piece. I was going to buy a lot in town, and then you gave me a 1,000 acres. And he said, oh, it's more than that. And I was like, it's too much. You know, my mind can't take it. It's just like, you know? So anyway. So he says, without spot and blameless. Now, the only way we're going to do that is under the blood. That's the only way we're going to do is keeping ourselves under the blood of Jesus. Listen to me. If there's ever anything I learned from the old Pentecostals, it was about pleading the blood, pleading the blood, plead the blood. They always said that. Use that term. Plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. And at first I didn't grasp it. But then as I began to read my Bible and be understand what they were saying was, is that it's nothing but the blood going to work. So we're pleading the blood, Lord. We're, we're pleading the blood of Jesus over our life because, Lord, that's, that's the only thing that keeps us right with you and keeps us spotless and unblameable and unreprovable in your sight, right? That's these days we need to be in. Without spot and blameless, consider that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brethren, Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. <laughs> so... Peter even goes and says the revelations Paul had that y'all have been reading about, yeah, kind of mind-blowing, right? Uh, okay, where'd I go? These things are understand, which untaught, unstable people twisted to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the Scriptures. So there's people today twisting Scriptures, but they were twisting Scriptures then. This is not something new, all right? This is how the devil has operated forever. He wants to twist Scripture around. There are preachers today twisting Scripture around because they don't want to commit to what the Bible says because they're scared they're going to lose face with people. And Jesus said there's people out there that would rather please men than please God. So he goes ahead and he says, you, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand. So he's telling them, you know this beforehand. Don't be, don't, don't think, don't be shocked about it. Don't be shocked at what's going on. Don't sit there and say, I can't believe they're doing that. They've been doing it for thousands of years. 
It just happens to be the time we're living in. All right? So he says, don't be shocked. And beware, at least you also fall. Okay, wait, wait. Therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, at least you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory for you now and forever. Amen. So I'll try to work all this down to get to this one point. Steadfastness. He says right there, look what he says it. Don't fall from your own steadfastness. And I went and looked up that word steadfastness. And the root of the word, it means to make stable, place firmly, to set or to fix, to strengthen, to make firm, to render consistent, confirm one's mind. So in other words, he's saying if there's any shaky part in your, in your mind, it's time to firm it up. It's time to get the word of God. And you know, it's, like, it's like finding that loose rock in the wall and going over there and chipping the old mortar out and putting some new mortar in it and firming it up, making it strong. And he's saying, look, don't, don't fall from your steadfastness. Keep your mind firm on the things of God. So this is what you need to do. If there's a place in you that's shaky right now, then you need to go to the Lord. You need to pray and say, hey, Lord, I, I, there's a place in me that's kind of shaky. I don't know what's going on. I'm a little concerned. So that he can, by the Holy Spirit, come into you, show you how to firm it up through his word, get those scriptures down on the inside of you so you're not shaken. He didn't say you're going to fall. You just got shaky. Maybe you need a new torque screw somewhere. You know, torque screws are one of the most amazing things. I, I was using some the other day, and I got to thinking about, you know, the evolution. You don't think much about this unless you're working with wood, of the evolution of the screw. Somebody one day figured out that they were going to do a, a, a screw, but they just put a regular, made a big old pan head screw with a slot in it and said, we'll just try to screw it in. And then... One day they'd evolve a little more, and somebody said, well, let's put a Phillips head in, it'll work better. And then now they got torque screws, which if you don't watch them, they just run off from under you. I mean, you're trying to put them in the board, and they're just gone, you know? I mean, they're so sweet, right? I mean, they're sweet. When you get a good torque head screw and everything's working right, that thing can go right through wood and just suck up, and you're like, it's amazing. And you just go get another old sheetrock screw or something like that and try to dress. You're like, what is wrong? Are you all with me? So what he's saying is, man, you know, you've got to look into your life and you've got to find if there's some shaky areas in your life, man, you need to, you know, put some screws in it or mortar it up, chip it out so that in these days that we're walking in, you can stay strong and firm. You can stay strong and firm. Do you know how foolish Noah must have felt gathering all the animals into the ark and it's never rained? But I don't think he felt too foolish when the door shut on its own. Because if you go read the scriptures, it says God shut the door. Then I think he was like, praise God, I stood steadfast. Right? And all of his sons patted him on the back and said, way to go, Pop. You hurt God. Right? That's what we want to be. I mean, like, like I, I'm not saying you've got to be Superman. Right? And see, that's another thing is if you're a Christian and you're faking it, 
then the problem is, is that you're going to freak out somewhere along the line and run off. But it doesn't mean that we have to be like, you know, the rock of Gibraltar in the midst of everything. It means like if, he's just saying, if you've got some shaky places, you need to just go put some screws in it. Batten the hats down. Put some mortar in there. Get it firmed up so we can stand strong in this day and go forth and say, praise God, we're going to go on. God's not slack concerning his promises. Jesus is coming back, and we're going to a place full of righteousness. That's amazing that this chapter was written in 68 A.D. or 65 A.D., right? Because it fits for today. It fits for today. And like I've said, man, I don't know what to do but be consistent, keep putting one foot in front of the other, going forward, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, doing what he tells us to do. And I know that all of his promises are going to come to pass. I'm going forth. You know, we're still going forth. We're trying to buy property in, in Kenya. We've got a, a piece right now that's all laid out for us that we're trying to move on and get that done because we're still going to, I'm still saying we're going to feed a thousand kids. I'm getting an agreement with that. We're going to feed a thousand kids over there helping rescue them. Everybody else is running around saying, oh God, what are we going to do? You know, man, I'm going to go on. We're going to keep rescuing children. We're going to keep preaching the gospel. We're going to keep going forth. We're going to keep believing in miracles. We're going to keep doing everything that we possibly can. Amen. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop and wait and see what's going to happen. God's going to win. Amen. So the deception that's in the world right now, well, praise God, we've got to keep praying against it. But I just know that we're not going to be deceived. Right? We're going to stand strong, stay in faith, keep going forward. Praise the Lord. Three things keep them in remembrance. Amen. I, I suggest that you go back and read that chapter some more. Keep looking at it. Keep reading it. Let the Holy Ghost keep filling you full of other good things. And, 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 and uh, wherever you're shaky, just ask the Holy Ghost to firm it up. And he will. That's the good thing about it. He will. Amen. So praise God. I want to pray for you. I want to pray over your offerings. I want to, I want to bless you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been amazing. I just praise God uh, for the faithfulness of this church and, and giving. And I, I'm, just, I'm just so blessed. We're so blessed. We're still, I'm telling you what, we're still going forward. <laughs> Nothing stopped. Nothing slowed up. We're still giving. We're doing more. We're just going out there rescuing people left and right. You know, having to deal with some, some things that we never thought about before. But, you know, oh, well, so what? We just got through with uh, Sister Annie, just had a big pastor's conference, did it all via uh, uh, Facebook or whatever it was that they used, or Zoom or whatever it was, and had a conference all over Mexico, still encouraging people, preaching the books. My Holy Ghost books went out all over Mexico. Still, churches are growing. We're still doing things. We've got church construction going on in Mexico right now. Like I said, in Kenya, we're trying to buy the land. we still got construction going on in Guatemala, still rescuing kids. I mean, we're not going to stop. Amen. I'm believing God that this church is just, you know, I mean, it is already through the Internet and through the broadcast just done amazing, amazing, amazing things. And it just keeps growing and keeps growing and touching more people. And God bless you all. Thank you all for watching. But I want to bless you right now. So stand up. So, Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name, everybody in here, everybody watching the broadcast, I just speak blessings over them. I declare that we are going to be steadfast Christians, Lord, that wherever in our lives, whatever's going on, that you're, you're, we're, we're, we're shaking in an area. Lord, I just thank you by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to reveal it to us. You're going to speak it to us. You're going to show us. 
And that, Lord, you are going to sure us up, sure our foundations up so that we continue to walk on with you, go on with you. Now, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over everyone. I just declare, Lord, your blood speaks over our lives, that we are sons of God, that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you are going to present us holy and blameable and unreprovable before your sight. Lord, and I praise you for that. Now, Lord, I just declare right now tonight. I speak it over the people again. I declare that they are healthy, wealthy, and blessed. I thank you for their finances. I thank you for the provisions going on. I just declare that where where dark clouds of discouragement have come, Lord, they get blown away by the gospel. I declare, Lord God, that finances come into the people's hands more than ever before and people begin to prosper. That, Lord, that that these are the days that the ships of God come in with all the wealth for us to do everything that you have for us to advance your kingdom on the face of this earth. And Lord, we give you praise for it. I thank you for blessing these people, blessing everyone watching. And I just thank you, Lord God, for the power of the Holy Spirit upon each and every one of us. Lord, in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.